Welcome back to Death Watch's Call of Cthulhu campaign, Descent into Darkness, Season 2. This is episode 18, probably. Mm. Uh, our in-universe time is June 16th. Is that right? In the early afternoon still. Before we get into it, let's go around the table and have our investigators do an introduction of their character, perhaps their current thinking or state of mind. All right. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm playing Johann Mueller, a retired history professor, and I'm currently looking forward to seeing Travis reenact all Hamlet. I'm Brandon, playing Dr. Wallace Andrews, and currently we are um, about to let the Detective Nichols know that Mr. Clark was abducted and then continue our own efforts to find where he is and perhaps rescue him. I'm Justin. I'm playing Lance Monroe, the occult museum curator. And right now I am still trying to wrap my mind around the uh, visions that were given to me by the consortium and ecstatic that I have the Liber Ivanus in my possession. Nothing else really matters. I'm John playing James Whitmire. And I'm, uh, I don't know, I'm kind of stunned by this... uh, this room that I'm in at this point with this uh, mystery mystery exit way okay so we will open on the Wilbur Theater we will go down a hallway somewhere within the structure where Whitmire is looking into an empty room except for a table upon which is something like a steel safe Mr. Whitmire you would think it's 32 inches and you had just heard some men talking but they have disappeared somewhere, and all that is in this room is a steel safe by the looks of it. Although there are some odd inscriptions on the safe itself, you can give me a Cthulhu Mythos roll. This roll will determine... Yes. Oh my oh god, my we're goodness. screwed. That isn't believable. I only call for those knowing you're never going to succeed at them. <laughs> Okay. He's got like a, he's running, he's hacked this. System, <laughs> system, so. I don't know. I want a, a camera on your, <laughs> your <laughs> screen. I want to see what's going on. All right. That's uh, Microsoft Paint right there. <laughs> <laughs> he's got some talent though, yeah. I must say. Uh, okay. So with that successful Cthulhu Mythos role, you know that what you're seeing is the language ACLO. Uh, not only do you have a glimpse of it in your memory from when you shall we say, mistakenly received a letter to Mr. Monroe all the way back in Lima, (laughs) Mm. in which Meriwether had included a photo of these ACLO symbols. But you also are remembering something you read recently in the book Nameless Cults, 
which described the importance of Aklo when it came to using mysterious abilities. And now some context sort of comes together for you. And you remember a section in your skim reading that talked about a particular artifact called a gate box in which sorcerers could use to travel from one location to another. And the the time or the distance between those places wasn't a factor when using these gate boxes. So you realize that if Nameless Colts was correct, then what has happened is two men have entered this gate box and they've gone to who knows where. What would you like to do? I would like to I'd like to check around it and uh maybe see if I could like uh move it at all. Yeah. So give me a strength roll. Hmm. Nope. So yeah, you realize it. You can budget, so you lift it a little bit, but really, it'd be like lifting uh, a safe of that size on your own. So you would need help or at least a dolly to effectively move it. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I was um, wondering. Like, is it just this appearance for you know the safe for appearance sake, or is it actually the safe that they? I guess, created into a gateway, from what I'm understanding. Well, an assumption you can make by what you read in the Nameless Colts is uh, what he had described in that story, the author, was a, at least on their side of the gate box, that it had been the the coven's, it was like a wardrobe, right? So kind of like the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. They would enter one side of it and come out, you know, deep in the English countryside to where they could perform their ceremonies in secret. So the the form of it perhaps is chosen during its construction. And this has all the trappings of a regular safe, including it looks like it has a combination locked open it. You don't really see anything mystical in that end of it. In fact, you think maybe on a good day you could even pick it and open it. Today is not a good day. <laughs> you were close. You think um, with a little bit more tampering you might be able to do it. Well, the other part that I'm not sure of is, I guess, if I just open this, is it going to activate? Is it still going to work as a gateway, or am I going to open it as a an actual safe? I think I would need somebody with a little bit more knowledge in these things. So what I'd like to do is go find that, uh, or go, I don't remember if I took it off or not, uh, that usher's or waiter's uniform. Mm-hmm or jacket and go out and find um professor mueller and, okay um under a the guise of an emergency uh yeah telegram for you trying and get him gotcha. to come back here mm. well i if memory serves i believe you still had that coat on because you had ditched your original coat to appear as a workman carried that thing in uh, you know, some item, and then you saw that coat when you wanted to go elsewhere. Does that yes fit with your memory? I just, okay. Yeah, I just couldn't remember if I'd put it down or something. But All right, so while you're simple. considering the gate box before you and planning to go find Mr. Mueller, uh, we'll switch over to inside the theater itself, where this playhouse, the Wilbur Theater, seems to be running a fairly standard rendition of Hamlet. <laughs> Except for the fettered <laughs> spirit on stage. Yes, except for the glowing yellow-eyed ghost appearing as dictated by the play. Uh, you're, you're not certain as you watch him 
appear whether you're actually looking at the corpse or not. It could actually just be a very thin person. Mm. There's a high level of makeup on on this person. Um, but anyhow, while the performances are standard, perhaps even subpar, the floating apparition of the late King Hamlet never fails to get the crowd's appreciation. It's not clear how these acts of levitation are achieved, as you don't see obvious wires or other suspension devices. But then you get a little ways through the play, and they have an intermission, at which point an usher approaches you uh, with a note. And right behind him, you see James Whitmire walking up as well, (laughs) looking for all the world like an usher at the Wilbur Theater. I'll uh, take the note to the usher and I'll open it. So it it says... um, Oh man, I shouldn't... I need to get back into Casimir thinking. You just don't read parchment. (laughs) 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 It takes us one point of sanity left. All right. So it says, uh, while we understand and respect the power of human curiosity, you must stay the course, Mr. Mueller. Please focus your attention on the scapegoat and leave these other matters to those with understanding. As a courtesy, the manager has been instructed to meet with you and is waiting in the foyer now. Please enjoy the rest of the show. Mm. But then you're there, Mr. Whitmire. All right, so <coughs> I'll, uh, yeah, if there's people around, I'll say that, uh, sir, there's a, or uh, I'll ask um, Professor Mueller, as I have a, a very important uh, matter for for you to attend, uh, if you'll please follow me. I'll look at him for a bit, and then I'll kind of hand him the note. Okay. So, yeah, same same thing, Mr. Whitmire. And while he's reading it, I'll start to kind of stand up okay. and start leaning on my cane. Yeah, if you glance around the auditorium there, now the house lights are on, you can see that trio of what you would expect are consortium members now they're looking at you, and whether or not you want to be stealthy about your glimpse, or if they catch you looking, then there's a, just a tip of the hat, right? So. Yeah, I'll return that. <laughs> All right. So reading this, uh, I'll 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 quietly uh, tell him that I found a a gate box. Is that right? Gate box. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as a uh, I. Read it, read about it in one of the uh, books from the. Uh, keep getting these two mixed up. It's not the Rupert Merriweather one. It's the, the Nameless Silver, Colts. Yeah, the Silver Twilight's Library. Yeah, you found it uh, on top of the bookshelf at the Hermetic Order of the Silver Twilight. Not on the bookshelf, but literally like on top. <laughs> but I, I think that, uh, well, I know that it's active. Because mm-hmm. right before I went into the room, there were there were two people in there, at least two people in there talking. Well, unless you plan on to activate and go through it, I don't see too much reason to stay here more than necessary. The uh, we I already know that this is indeed a place where a corpse has been fettered or soul, as evidenced by the glowing eyes of the ghost that was on stage. Yeah, and you are also trained now to pick up on that sensation mm. at your temples, kind of like the beginnings of a headache, but without the pain. And you had gotten that too, Whitmire, although I don't know if you had 
understood the association. But one thing that does occur as you spend time here is it fades to zero basically after, you know, 10 minutes or so hmm. of being around it. Same so, thing happened in the in the park okay. and yeah. in Corbett's house. And for sure, certain that this establishment is indeed built on a ley line. So we have our proof that we need. As far as any proof of the occult needs to go. Okay. So I guess, do you want to go talk to the manager? And what are they talking about? Uh, what The note said something about a fall guy, right? That would be something you're not aware of. Yeah, that's what I'm time. asking. Uh, oh, gotcha. about. I was like, <laughs> oh, you're sad. Uh, if, if you don't want to check out the gate, that's uh, that's fine. And I, I don't want to spend more time here than we, we need to. You know, do you want to go talk to this manager? And I'll look at the note again and say, what, what are they talking about a fall guy for? Mm. I had meant to speak to you about that, Turner. Uh, in order to obtain access back to, uh, was it Boston? Is that where I am? Yeah. Uh, back into Boston, I had to cut a deal with the consortium. I agreed to find them a scapegoat for young Charlie Murphy. And they allowed me to re-enter and continue the investigation. Thankfully, I believe that I have found such a scapegoat. It's you, Mr. Whitmire. <laughs> Oh, all, uh, <laughs> quiet out loud. Start part out loud. Sorry about that. So, I I believe that you would not be shocked by that. I have heard of your escapades in Peru from Herr Monroe. <laughs> you seem quite uh, capable of uh, dealing with unsavory sorts. Well, yeah. As, um, okay. Well, what what else would you like to do here? As I believe we will talk to the manager, maybe perhaps get more of a history, enough to uh, appease Monroe's curiosity. Ah, and then we'll make our leave, and I don't know. I still need to convince them that we need to bring that uh, young boy that you were talking about, the, uh, the boyfriend of the, the college girl. Ah, we need to get him. I believe he will be our scapegoat. Is he already ah. confessed? Yeah, well, um, damn it. Let me look through those notes. Murrow Beckett was the name of that student. Murrow Beckett? Okay. Donkey, Herr Keeper. All right, so are we ready to move out into the foyer and yeah. talk to this manager? Start walking. All right, there you see a middle-aged gentleman who... Perhaps as a puffed up way of thinking about his position here as the manager of the Wilbur Theater. But uh, he seems to know who he's looking for. So when you come out, he raises his hand in acknowledgement and he offers his hand for a firm handshake. I'll smile and shake his hand. Ah, yeah. Name's Brent Lang. I'm the manager of the Wilbur. How are you liking it today? John, do you take off the usher jacket <laughs> yeah. before we walk up? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, as good. we're going, I'll just like hang it over the back of one of the seats. <laughs> Our most wonderful play. Uh, uh, what was his name? Brent. Like, Mr. Lang. Uh, Harold Lang. Yeah. Uh, this is my companion uh, and fellow, uh, I don't know, pursuer of the supernatural. Uh, uh, dang it. Uh, James Wittmeyer. And he offers his hand to you, James. Uh, uh, nice to meet you, gentlemen. And Good to meet we you all just, too. 
we are just simply here to disprove that um, this place is haunted. I've heard rumors here and there. Ah, yes. And I, I am aware of them. I am a, uh, perhaps your ticket, uh, your manager of the tickets has informed you, but I am a professor of the occult. And namely, I attempt to disprove such unscientific irrationalities. And I would like to do so here. Well, that would be quite helpful for me. Every now and then I get some wackadoo comes in here, you know, knocking on the walls. And mm-hmm. they ha- they bring in weird bits of metal and they're all kinds of craziness. <laughs> but uh, we have a few minutes before the intermissions do to end. Perhaps we could sit down and speak in comfort. Oh, of course. And uh, I must warn you that my my methods are of those wackadoos. <laughs> I, I attempt to disprove it in a way that they will understand. Ah, I see. Well... A friend of a friend has told me to extend all courtesies. Don't go, Sean. Please, this way, gentlemen. And he leads you into the manager's office, and he has a few chairs in there on the other side of his desk, and you guys all settle there. And he offers a cigar to those who would take it, or perhaps a drink from a crystal decanter Hmm. he pulls from his desk. I'll take the drink, and I'll say no to the cigar and light my pipe. I'll take and he's like, cigar, all right, well, no drink. So you've heard of the haunting at the Wilbur Theater. <laughs> and what is it that you've heard? Um, Not too much, mainly vague rumors, but I I believe that uh, they probably see a ghost, glowing eyes, that sort of thing. Lots of, uh, of uh, non-solid evidence, of course. There can be no solid evidence when dealing with something that is not real. Um, but... Uh, like I said, vague rumors. Yes, I have heard that story before, and, and no matter what I say, certain papers continue to run with it. Uh, are you planning to publish anything on your findings? I will uh, write a uh, what's that? Uh, like a professor, like a term, not a term paper. Um, maybe a dissertation. Yeah. Okay. I plan to write a simple <clears throat> dissertation that will be circulated among the various scientific groups. Well, that would be very helpful if it were to dispel this rumor. Um, hmm. well, if you're interested, I could introduce you to the the cast once the show's done. Uh, maybe you can see around in the back there, see how we do certain things. But, I mean, this is really all just a, a ruse, right, Mr. Uh, Mueller? I mean... Uh, for me, I am serious in proving that ghosts are fake. They are falsehood created by overactive imagination or perhaps some underlying mental stress or defect. So me being here to disprove ghosts is not a ruse. Hmm. Uh, so take of that what you will. I am going to seriously attempt to uh, discover if there is something supernatural here. But I believe that though will not be. Well, that's interesting. I thought, considering our mutual friend, that you would have other aims, other goals. He said if you were interested in advancement, he had uh, now I task underst- for you. Now I understand what you mean by ruse. Yes, <laughs> I know that there is a ghost here. I know that it is a fettered soul of a of a one of the owners. I don't actually need to prove anything one way or the other. Well, uh, I apologize for wasting your time, in fact. <laughs> it is as you say, and I it would... Uh, however, if your dissertation were to combat that fact, I'd be happy, you know, perhaps a uh, 
a donation to your college or some other charity? I'm agreeable to that, yes. I can write a favorable dissertation disproving the ghost here. And would you, is it still necessary to meet the cast, see yeah. behind the curtain? No, I imagine based on what I saw of the, the play that uh, he doesn't appear to be overly aggressive. So no need to, uh, to uh, do anything about that. I believe that uh, the cast and crew seem to be fine and healthy, yes, for the most part. Yes, everything. <laughs> Any sudden disappearances? Oh, no, of course not. Nothing like that. I... Then he is not like his other kin and his ilk. Yeah. <laughs> no. any, any missing earlobes, perhaps? Uh, eccentric, but eccentric? no harm is being done. Not in the long term, anyways. I'll give him my smile. We are all a little eccentric sometimes. <laughs> there was one other matter, though. Uh, our mutual friend um, is always trying to see what his associates are up to and uh, perhaps make room for advancement. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're interested, and he pulls out an envelope that's unmarked, uh, apparently the calculus has been done and a person, sorry, he said you would know what this would mean, uh, can safely be removed from the board. He said, not to open it here, it's for your consideration only, that you would know how to do that, or perhaps a companion, Mr. Monroe, would know how to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, this is just an offer. It's not a requirement, but I have it here if you wish it. I'll take it, and I'll put it in my attache. Okay. Um, yes, uh, unless you have anything else, uh, perhaps finish your cigars and our drinks and uh, my bowl, and uh, we'll make our way out if you have apologizing again for wasting any of your time. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's no problem at all. I, we're working together on this. And mm. you're I, not going to stay for the rest of the show? Ah, uh, no, I believe that I have seen more than enough. I was mainly here for the ghost. Um, and I'm sorry again for putting you through this dog and pony show. Oh, don't mention it, please. It was my pleasure. And he stands up, shakes your hand, mm. and escorts you guys out of his office. So from there, what would you like to do and where would you like to go? I want to go what? to that back alley and see if my vest is still there. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, so, Herr Wittmeyer, I've been meaning to ask you, did you have any dreams uh, last night? Uh, or what is the name? Nashed in common thought? Perhaps? Mm. Um, I did have a dream. And, ah, wunderbar. Um, so, I was, uh, they said that I was worthy, and they gave me... Johan's eye begins to twitch when he hears that <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, they, they said they gave me uh, three gifts, uh, four if you count the dagger, and then I uh, started my journey through a forest, uh, overcoming every obstacle seamlessly, until I got to a village. Oh, really? That's yes. most wonderful, Herr Wittmeyer. Good for you. I don't know <laughs> what the point of that was, though. I'm that still is, trying to work it out. That is very dangerous, Wittmeyer. You are entering the a realm of deeper slumber. That's what the gate was. Yeah, that's what, uh, what they said, too, is that... Uh, and I just don't know what I'm supposed to do there. 
how much do I know? Can I basically uh, freestyle? Oh, yeah, you go with whatever you uh, Because I don't know too much in real life either. But So um, I'll keep it simple for you, Vitmaya. It's real. (laughs) What will happen there is real. You must be very cautious (laughs) or you will not wake. Do you understand me? I understand that part, but what is what is the point of being there? Time passes different. Uh, there's things that can happen there that cannot happen here. Uh, a thousand years could pass in the dream, and you will wake up and no time will have passed except the night's sleep that you had. It is a very, very special place and very dangerous. Did, did I take myself there? No, no. Uh... We believe that it was the dream castles that allowed us to uh, perceive the stairway that led to the gate. I see. Okay. Uh, Hermon Rowe will be uh, experimenting tonight. I believe he will be smoking with us. Uh, unfortunately, I worry because uh, Herr Andrews and myself were not found worthy that we might not be welcomed back a second time unless we have achieved the necessary enlightenment. Well, so you guys didn't get to pass the gate? Nine. So should I smoke that tonight too, then? You, it might not be necessary for you to partake of the dream castle anymore. You have already opened the doorway. So I should try and go back through. Do you have any advice on how I can get back through the gate or find it again without the dream castle? No, no. I do not know. Like I said, you have already opened the gate. You are, you are uh, linked Perhaps to it already. Just, just dream yourself there. Uh, so, so are where hmm? is Monroe holding this experiment? Most likely in his <laughs> own room. Oh, are you? Are you going to be there too? I don't already see a reason not to. I mean, we are, we are going to meet up. He'll probably smoke then. I don't know. <laughs> well, if you'd like, I would gladly partake in this experiment with trying to. Uh, re-enter the uh, what was it, realm of deeper sleep without partaking. Without partaking. Yes, yeah, so that would be a good experiment. Uh, perhaps you and Monroe can talk about it next we meet. Sounds good to me. As uh, could I do like an education to try and write down some of those symbols that I had seen on the on that safe? The Aklo. Yeah. Or uh, could I describe them? I guess in a to uh, Mueller. I'm not sure what the heck they mean, I, and other than I've seen them before, but maybe they'll be something he can use. And where should we be heading to, John? What's uh, that? Where should we be heading to? Also, we need to take um, care of that. I think that we were doing this, and then there was supposed to be a dinner that we were going to attend. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So you guys would be a, a few hours away from this dinner. Yeah. So, uh, so let's actually pause on you guys and. We'll zoom over to the Hermetic Order of the Silver Twilight Lodge Hall, where Mr. Monroe and Dr. Andrews had just sent off Dr. Call to go interview Cole, no, not Cole Bishop, Wallace Bowers at the Danvers State Hospital Mm. for any information about who was the true culprit of this ritual. And he has gone off. And Dr. Andrews had resolved to send off a few telegrams. But at that moment, while you guys are in this waiting area, this reception room, where you could speak privately, 
The door bangs open, and in walks Logan Terry. And in his hand, he has three glasses and a bottle. And he has a very faux, cheerful look on his face. You can see there, there's always that underlying thread of tension or perhaps anger that there, that is there whenever you look at him. But he says, ah, my favorite little tin investigators, what are you up to? I've just heard the most interesting rumor, and I'm certain that you men know about it. And good detective uh, or officer, uh, what what rumors have you heard now? Well, and he walks forward and he uh, sets those glasses on a table and he starts pouring the liquor into him. What I have heard is that James Clark has been abducted. Is that right? I have actually just heard that rumor myself, yes. Apparently he ran afoul, afoul of uh, of some men of some sort, so not... Not too unheard of in his profession, I've heard. Especially for a man that occasionally takes on members of the of the criminal underground. Well, I see. Please, have a drink. We're all members in the same fraternity, so what are we going to do about it? What what kind of liquor is it? It's scotch, we'll say. Okay, I'll, I'll wave off the scotch. I'll say, I, I have my, my tonic right for now, and <laughs> I appreciate the, the offer, though. Well, of course, you would have your tonic. What about you, Dr. Andrews? Uh, please, yes, I'll take a drink. You know, that first night after your guys' initiation, I talked to Whitmire, and he said that Peter Fallon hired you to look into this dually murder. Does this disappearance of James Clark have something to do with all that? Having just heard about the abduction myself, I truly can't say. Oh, come on, Mr. Monroe, what is with the reluctance? No, I honestly cannot say whether or not it had anything to do with this. As I have told you before, you know, I investigate things, matters of the occult, and you told me to leave this one alone. But I have my suspicions that you did not. Well, I follow the leads wherever they go, and you sent me up to Harvard. It turns out that some of the boys that were, you had mentioned one boy had gone missing, that he had several friends that were meddling in matters of the occult, and that one of them, or many of them, had had problems with uh, the Dooley man. So you're saying it's my fault you kept your nose in it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just stating that you pointed me down a path, and that path eventually led back around to, to Dooley. That'll do, Mr. Monroe. I'd like to hear from Dr. Andrews. What are we going to do about this? We can't just let one of our brothers be picked up on the street. Blood. Right, you are. We must do something about this. I suggest we contact the police. Well, who do you think nabbed him? Um, it's difficult to say, but <laughs> but I know exactly the two. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, but I believe it was uh, Quinn Doyle, Percy Sweeney Byrne, and Quinn Doyle. <laughs> oh. I see. Men whom I've had an encounter with previously. Well. They attempted to threaten me, only to discover I don't threaten so easily. <laughs> I'll give him a hard look. Is that right? Well, you know, contacting the police would make sense. You know, it'd be a real handy way for a nice written report to see itself into whoever kidnapped James Clark's hands. Then they know exactly that we were onto them. What else you got? Well, you're not suggesting that there's any corrupt 
members of the police force, are you? I am suggesting Sir, that. What would they look like if they if we were able to find such corrupt members of the police force? Well, I'll spin a little yarn for you. For the last five years, I've been trying to pin something on Francis Walsh that would put him away for good. We were close a few years ago, and then a police strike happened. When I saw which way the wind was blowing, I kept working. Men I worked with for years looked at me like a betrayer when I crossed the picket line, as it were. 1,500 cops go on strike for four days, and it's all mayhem on the streets of Boston. Then they're all fired and replaced, lickety-split. What do you think happens to an ongoing investigation at that time? What do you think happens to evidence? Every lead and angle we had dried up in the space of a weekend. So, I gotta start from scratch. I shut my gob, I take my licks, and I make sergeant, and that's a big deal. And next thing you know, I'm getting invited to these galas and fundraiser events, and you know what I see? Vice President Coolidge shaking hands with Mayor Peters, who's shaking hands with what's-his-face at the AFL that represented all these cops, who's shaking hands with Francis Walsh. And in my mind, all these hands are starting to look a little red. And who's running the force now? A bunch of yes-men. Because every man with a backbone got his walking papers at the end of that strike. But you know what sticks out in my mind the most? All those damn looks of betrayal. So I'm going to pull down this curtain and see whose hand is behind it, by God. And that's why I don't want you guys in this investigation. Oh, I see. Okay, so you, you think we're going to ruin your... Your plan to... Well, I didn't call you little tin investigators for nothing. Cast a light on all the corruption. But we would never do such a thing. Our only intent is to uh, see to it that justice is done properly and that this poor boy, Charlie, is not taken to the electric chair for a murder he didn't commit. And I suspect that's why Mr. Clark was abducted, because we'd recently uh, convinced him to take on Charlie's case. And there are apparently powerful men who don't want to see the truth come out in regards to the murder of Mr. Dooley. Well, that may be true. I don't think you're going to solve that problem in the short term or the long term. Like I said, this isn't your grandma's pie, but I can help. Maybe you want to know where Francis Walsh may be. Maybe that's where James Clark is. Well, maybe... Maybe we do, and maybe he is, but then the next question would be, what do we do about it? What do you want to do about it? Well, if we can't trust any police or, you know, officials, I suppose we'd have to affect a rescue somehow, but um, I just don't see us coming out of that alive. I skipped over the, you know, hostage rescue and combat portions of medical school. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll laugh and cheers him at that. <laughs> Good show, Doctor. Good show. Well, yeah, that makes sense. There has to be somebody to whom Francis Walsh must answer. There has to be some level of, of government where there are those that are not in his pocket. Well, that answer I don't know. Francis Walsh is up there at the highest levels with, you know, Mayor Peters or anybody else. They're all on the same level as far as I can tell. But, uh, you know, it may not be as difficult as you think. 
he's a smart guy. He's not going to be there, you know, interrogating James Clark himself. You know, he's just going to have his men get the answers or convey the message or whatever it is he's trying to do. And if they don't know anybody's coming, you know, maybe you just, you know, a few guys who are tough. You know, I mean, come on. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm, I know very few of those types of oh, men. Hold on. Mr. Monroe. He wasn't talking to you. <laughs> you may speak now. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't know very many of those types of men. Those are not the circles that I tend to to uh, fraternize with. Yeah, I suppose Whitmire up and ran off, didn't he? Yes, and we have yes. not seen him. Hmm. Nor do we know where he is. Which, actually, we don't. Right. But, yes, um, to answer your question, if you did know where he might have been taken, then we would like to know. Well, I know three places. They're all waterfront properties in Charlestown. Could be at one of those places. Probably likely is. Okay. And he gives you, he'll just jot down the addresses for you. And why are you helping us? We're brothers what? in a fraternity. Oh, come now. I know that means nothing to you. I'm trying, but I'm breathing. <laughs> you piece of garbage. No, I don't say that. <laughs> uh, and what would you expect in return for this assistance? Ah, who knows? Maybe something will come up down the line. You know, I just didn't want anything bad to happen to you guys, right? You know? Well, thank you then, brother. I appreciate it. But I must, I must let you know now. I'm not a plastic surgeon. There's nothing I can do about your face. <laughs> Whoa, what'd you say about my face? <laughs> no. Well, it's just I've seen... <laughs> it's just that I've seen your picture on this corkboard. <laughs> and uh, well, I, I just know. I figured think... you might want... <laughs> as I'm a doctor, maybe and you might want some help with that. But i that's not my area of expertise. Look, I'll tell you the same thing I told Jimmy Whitmire. I just want us to be on the level. So what are you guys... You're really just trying to get a kid out of the justice system? The kid was innocent. He didn't kill his uncle. That's it? That's it. For me. And like I said, there's something else to this, and I believe that this Harvard occult society really is to blame for this murder. Yes, I've come to believe that too, and that's my alma mater, and I won't have its name stained by... Which I have yet to thank you for that lead. The devil. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, if any of this goes wrong, blows up my investigation, I'm going to break Mr. Monroe's leg. <laughs> it's a risk I'm willing to take. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if you need help, I do know a guy, although it's not going to be cheap, and you might not like asking for his help. Why not? Well, he's not too dissimilar from Francis Walsh himself. I see. But he's uh, at odds with the fella. Uh-huh. Any gain or any loss for Francis Walsh is a gain for him. The enemy you, of my enemy is my friend. That's what they do say. Do you by any chance speak of Patrick Malone? What? Certainly not. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, that, that could create a complication, as I, I believe Mr. Whitmire has had some trouble with him recently. Oh, no, that's certainly not the case. Not Whitmire. Yeah, Whitmire, uh, he just wanted Whitmire's help. <laughs> um, okay, so I'll thank him then, uh, and I'll say I suppose it's possible that 
I might have to amend my initial opinion of you. Well, my mom always said I was a butthead. Yeah. Couldn't think of a term uh, appropriate to the it's age. It's because of your face. God, <laughs> <laughs> oh, quit talking about my face. Sourpuss could work for yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> mom always said I was a sourpuss, but truly, gentlemen, I am trying to honor my place here in this fraternity. And I chose it because I've vetted a lot of the members so far, and they don't seem to be attached to this thing protecting Francis Walsh, as far as I can tell. There's a few people I'm a little worried about, but that'll get sorted out in time. Well, then I suppose it would only be our duty as your fellow fraternity members to warn you that your investigation could become very deadly for you. I think it has been this whole time. And that you may not fully understand the depths that it goes. That's a weird accusation coming from you, Mr. Monroe. I'm sure it seems that way. <laughs> what are you going to library through all your problems? I mean, who am I talking to right now? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Although I have, power. I have survived more than, than you can, can know. If you say so. Already had your leg broken once. Yes, <laughs> yes. I have actually already had my legs broken for sticking my nose where it doesn't belong. <laughs> Dr. Andrews himself patched me up, as it were. Well, I'll leave you gentlemen to it. But please, should your investigation go in certain directions, please keep me apprised of it. There's a lot of plates spinning right now, and I don't want you guys to mess that up. That's all my interest is. Um, okay. Well, I thank you that. again, and I will respect that as well and let you know anything that we learn that might help you in your investigation. Cheers. And then he sees himself out. All right. And I'll, as he goes, I'll tell him to watch out for singularities that allow extra dimensional beings to come through to this world. And I want to see, like, if there's any recognition. Yeah. Like if he looks, if that's absolutely crazy to him or if like that makes more sense than it ought to, to a normal person. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. Yes. Give me an extreme psychology role. <laughs> okay. I'll definitely succeed here. <laughs> <laughs> do I get a shot at it too? Or Ooh, oh, that close. That's pretty close. Yeah, use some luck. Yeah, you can go for it. Uh, I'm trying to Just save up my luck for next yeah, time I get I attacked get by an extra dimensional <laughs> age demon. <laughs> yeah. If he shows any reaction to it that seems unusual, you don't pick up on it. He kind of like blinks at you and he's like, I thought Monroe was the kooky one. <laughs> <laughs> what do them words even mean? <laughs> Singularity, what are you talking about? He goes to New York. All right. Yes, he exits the scene, and there you guys are. And you said you wanted to amend your plans, Dr. Andrews, Mr. Monroe? Yeah, well, if we've got these addresses, then it's time we get in contact with some muscle to help us check these places out. And I think in, you know, Whitmire knows people and Finn, yeah, Finn, Finn McCracken. Um, and perhaps even Detective Nichols. And Detective Nichols. Um. Well, you guys do know that you're a few hours away from meeting with Nichols for dinner. Uh, I've really been struggling with how, because a lot of times we won't think of it ahead of time, like when you're going to get back together, how you're going to stay in touch with each other. So we can just always retcon it. We can be like, well, 
I'll say that I told Mueller that I was going to be at this place after I went to the library. And so he can send off a telegram and we'll just have that in the air unless you guys say otherwise. Whoa, Monroe, we need to remember to go back and put the note. (laughs) Well, I was going to stop by my museum anyway, so we could say Which is the center for all telegrams Mm -hmm. in Boston. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll I'll say, well, if we have nothing else to do, uh, I have... Uh, something I would like to stop by and speak to my assistant at the museum, and perhaps there is a telegram of some sort there. Okay. Um, Do you want me to go with you? Yes, might as well. Okay. Or did you guys did you want to have an agreement to meet there after your investigation into what you looked into, Mueller? Yeah, I'm fine with going back uh, meeting with them. Okay. Uh, just depending on how much time we had before yeah, the dinner. You guys, it, it kind of makes sense. So let's split off, look into these matters, and then we'll meet back at the library, and then we can catch a ride out to uh, go to this dinner or whatever. But you'll have some time while you're at your museum. Okay. So we will flash there unless somebody wants to do anything. Is Lamar's shop on the way? He's right near my museum, right? (laughs) Uh, I I just want to stop in and see if he's okay. Yeah. Pull out my gun and start blasting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you guys, uh, you and Dr. Andrews can stop on the way to your museum. But yeah, I'll just mention Dr. Andrews. This, this young man helped uh, Johan and I out yesterday, and uh, he seemed a little bit distraught by what we had uncovered. And so I was, a, I wanted to check and make sure that he's okay. Oh, was okay. It, that the so guy that ripped off his own earlobe? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's also the guy that helped us at Corbett. Yeah. Uh, he was the guy that we got for the seance. That never happened. Because everyone went insane. (laughs) So, Dr. Andrews, you can give me a spot hidden roll. Not you, Mr. Monroe. You already made it and failed it. Just a regular? Yep. Okay. Ooh. Nice. That's spot hidden. (laughs) He's got to do it for finding all the the stuff inside someone. (laughs) There's the liver. Well, uh-huh. yeah, I guess that makes sense. Okay. It's hiding that. right behind a kidney. <laughs> um, it's not supposed to be there. <laughs> so you see one of those toad statuettes in the window. It doesn't quite look like it's on display. It looks like it's sort of been tucked there out of the way because it would be behind. There's a curtain behind the window. Mm-hmm. So whoever's inside wouldn't be able to see mm-hmm. it there. You could only see it from outside unless they moved the curtain. Okay. So, yeah, it catches your eye because you recently just picked one up at the Widner Library. Yeah. Well, so I'll point it out to Monroe. Say, these damn things are showing up everywhere. How many of these can there be? Well, that's not known. It looks as if it's hidden from the person inside. (laughs) Huh. I wonder if Lamar's been having the same strange dreams as other people. I didn't notice that he was compulsively eating anything like Detective Nichols or his wife, but I'll have to ask him. So you guys go inside and there's that sort of Near Eastern chime that goes off. And this must just be his greeting for people that come in the store, but the blood drains from his face when he <laughs> sees you, Mr. Monroe. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I can't um, be pulled away today. Oh, I, uh, no, 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 Lamar. <laughs> I, I just came to to see if you have suffered any ill effects of yesterday other than the, the damage that was done to your ear. And this is the doctor that I told you uh, might be able to take a look at the damage that had happened to see if there's anything that could be done. Pay no mind to his hand. It's more <laughs> than functional. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see now that he has a proper bandage on his ear. He must have gotten medical help uh, somewhere. And he says, oh, it's 
It's fine. I mean, I just won't have that part of my ear now. Uh, the doctors. <laughs> <laughs> I truly do apologize for the for the damage that was done. Uh, these kinds of things can occasionally happen. And if only we had known he was such a a, a medium. Yeah, yeah. If uh, I, I once again must thank you. Uh, I don't believe that Johan or myself could have channeled her in any other way. But what brings you in? Surely not just to check on my health. Well, no, I, I truly did come to check on your health, and you had begun speaking in medical terms yesterday that you said you didn't fully understand. I was wondering if that had continued on, um, or if there had been any other ill effects or strange things that you have noticed. Have you started eating brains? <laughs> well, I had, I guess, a weird dream that kind of stuck with me. And I'll, I'll describe the, the hill and the, and the windmill. I, I just can't, Mr. Monroe. I can't do this anymore. It's taking um, such a terrible toll on my psyche. How how could you possibly know what I dreamed? Well, actually, my, my good friend, the doctor here, pointed out a, a small statue that we have found recently may be causing those sorts of dreams. If you if you don't mind, and I'll, I'll go to the front window and I'll, I'll pull the toad statue out. Did you find this and place this there yourself? No, I've never seen that before, although... It is quite arresting. What 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 is the nature of this statue? Uh, it was part of an an ancient uh, Native American cult that uh, seems to have resurfaced in Boston recently. Hmm. What is this made of? Do you know? I'm afraid I don't know the full the full measure of the statue yet. So looking at it, it it looks to be more in your variety of the more ancient ones. So this one okay. you think is probably constructed out of flint as it is nearly the copy of your, the original one you came across. Okay. But I'll say, yes, if you'd, if you'd like, I can take it from you and see if that helps with the dreams. Well, I'm not. Or if you're interested in keeping it, then you're more than welcome to. But that seemed kind of fitting for my store. It, it does. I have one of them in my in my museum. And you say this thing is causing this dream? That, that's what we associate it with. Every time we find someone that has uh, come across one of these or, or found one, then they seem to share in, in a similar dream. Hmm. And odd cravings. And what else does uh, it do? Well, I'm kind of shaking it. By any chance, have you had any strong cravings for any certain food types or even things that aren't food? Like hair. No. <laughs> What's no? this guy's name? Lamar. Lamar. Say, so, well, well, that's good. We, we recently met a, a young woman who, uh, craved eating little metal objects and, and, and gorged herself on them to the point where she made herself quite ill. You, uh, and then in, at another time, there was a, a librarian that came across one of these statues who started eating the papers of the books. And the, the, Vi violent expulsion would be a good term. For it. <laughs> it would be, yeah. But I don't want to terrify the young man anymore. No, than he no, already no. Is. We, we feed on his terror. It's you good. feed on his terror. <laughs> Johan does. No, I think I actually do oh. too. Yeah. Uh, on second thought, perhaps you should take the statue. If I will take it to my museum. If you change your mind, I'll I'll be happy to let you have it back. Or should I keep it, Lamar? Do you know why that statue would have gotten on your windowsill? I don't. I certainly don't remember ordering it or buying it from anybody but you know i only hear from nine to nine monday another, through saturday another possibility is that everyone that we've noticed that has found one of these seems to have had some encounter with a 
a stranger with a lisp of some sort. Um, and some have mentioned that his shadow doesn't appear to be quite right. Like something seems to be off with it. Have you had any customers like that come into your store? Well, <laughs> uh, I can't say anything about a shadow, but I do infrequently a uh, man will come in and he, he, you know, he gets various supplies for things. Uh, perhaps if you give me some time to look through my records, I can look what kinds of things he gets. But I would describe the way you describe this, this lisp, uh, you wear sort of like a fedora type hat. Yes, is that right? yes. And, and kind of has a, a, a raspy intake of breath before yeah. he, he he speaks. And yeah, it's every month or every other month I'll, I'll see. Yes, of course. Like and and if you don't mind, I, uh, and I'll show him the, the cover of the gr- uh, grimoire. And I'll say, by any chance, do you happen to have a, a copy of this oh, in your store? Yes, that's a, that's a great book. <laughs> yes, I, I, keep, <laughs> I keep a lot of those. I have I have this one for myself, <laughs> but I, I have a friend that I would like to get a copy for. Oh, yeah, sure. Let me show you what I have in stock. And he takes you over to the book section, and, and there you see um, he has a few copies of it. But they're, mo- they're all more recent, right? They're none of the – they're more modern binding and, and such. So Okay. I'll look for one that has – that's roughly the same size that might fit into this binding. Okay, give me a luck roll. Uh, this one's soft bound. <laughs> and this is the Libra Ivana? I don't know what that just did. Is that the book we're talking about? Uh, he has uh, another cover on it. It's like the Does Great Grimoire. The Grand Grimoire. Grand yeah. Grimoire. I think something must oh. have happened. Is it because your luck is still in the extreme? I don't know. No, I took off the extreme. That is odd. I mean, you definitely got it. What's all this gibberish from? It's probably a runover code from whatever's going wrong. Yeah, with this, this yeah. is this is a f- brought about by John Hacking the mm. program <laughs> to not get doing it to mine. Yeah, let me try the. No, it's just one. that one. Do you have edit mode on or anything weird like that? No. Well, in any case, it looks like you originally rolled a four. So yes, you do find one that fits the dimensions. Although somewhat roughly of the Libra Ivanus that you have. Okay. Oh, ouch. <laughs> yeah, I'm going <laughs> to. All right, I'm going to save some stuff. I'm holding that. Log out and come I back was, in. I uh, was trying to see what that verbose option was because I hadn't ever clicked it. Yeah, it gives you the, and so, the different levels. Um, yeah, I'm glad I got that one out of the way. <laughs> so he's got other copies of the same book that he's looking not the libra ivanus he has copies of an occult book called the grand grimoire mm-hmm. yeah which is more in the the satanic realm of things right i believe it was also kind of described as like laughable yeah it's not yeah at well, least to somebody who's versed in the occult it's like the uh necronomicon that you can find at barnes and noble right yeah. the simon edition however yeah. it would be worth a cult Skill points if you were to read it in your case. Since yeah, I you're was so low on the. Gonna buy a copy from him. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Got Monroe looking at you like you're. No, what? No, no. I'm just an avid. <laughs> that's not. That's you, not the one you want. You wouldn't be. Lamar has decided against giving up the toad statue. He's, his hand has retracted, and he's like, you know, I might keep it after all. Very well. Although I will caution you, if you ever do. Start having adverse effects, please. Let me know. I will do that. Well, uh, 
anything else besides the books today, gentlemen? Um, yes, if you do want to take a few moments to take a look at and see what supplies the the man with the lisp had pulled, if, if it won't take too long, that is. I think it's a piece of information I'll have to get back to you. Okay. That's okay. Then I believe that that's all that we need for now. Um, perhaps if I stop by tomorrow? That would do. Okay. Thank you very much. Stores close tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Lord's Day tomorrow, Mr. Monroe. Actually, I think it's Saturday tomorrow. <clears throat> you, All right. You're in a cold <laughs> shop. There is no Lord's Day. <laughs> is it? Every day the Lord's <laughs> no, Day. No, I, uh, <laughs> I had a reverse. Ah. <laughs> I was into the occult, got spooked. Now I'm all about the Lord. <laughs> uh, have a good day, gentlemen. And so off you go to the New England Museum of the Occult, where now all the forces for of investigation are gathered in one place again. And um, is the storeroom going to be the default meeting area? Um, <laughs> everyone piling into the store. <laughs> There's a real meeting of the mind in that room. Well, I believe we had, we had set it up so that like I had an apartment above the museum or something. Right. Like that. So yeah, you so, have your. Yeah, we can use mine. Okay. I would like to drop off that picture of the of the symbol that I had found. Oh right, in, for the yeah, yeah. Miskatonic University, and and see if if the uh, person that I have that's curating the museum could send that out to have like a a silver replica created. Of. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that would be your Annette? Was that what we named yeah, her? Yeah, I believe that's what we yep. called her. She says, right away, boss. And so there you all are gathered with your varied new pieces of information in the home of Mr. Monroe. I imagined when you first met Whitmire and Finn McCraken there, you had like one of those day windows that faces the street with like a table there. Probably, yeah. Where you guys can gather. So I will pass it over to you. Ah. ah, it's good to see you, Mr. Mueller. And good to see you. Uh, I went to the public records, as you and Herr Andrews asked, and there I happened upon Wittmeyer. Well, he happened upon me. Gave me a devilish start. Well, how fortuitous. Uh, we actually have some information. We need to speak to Mr. Whitmire ourselves. Hmm. Um, first of all, uh, the consortium has approached me again while we were at the library, and Asked if we had found a suitable replacement, and I told them that we were still looking, but that we may have found one. I'll uh, kind of look over at Andrews while <laughs> Monroe's saying this. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, you know, uh, we had some other poor news that the, the lawyer that we had found to work the case of the uh, young Charles Murphy was abducted. Uh, we believe from the description of the men that took him that he was taken by Francis Walsh's men, the notorious uh, crime lord. Isn't he tied to he is. the consortium? Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, mentioned in several of the, the things about either. They are rather impatient. They barely have given us a day. Yes. Yes. I... Perhaps he has um, pushed too hard to stay the execution. Yes. And. Uh, Considering that their plans that they had mentioned were long in fruition, it seems they they are rather impatient lot. Well, needless to say, Herr Wittmeyer and myself, we did not have a completely uh, uneventful. I, too, ah. uh, saw the consortium again. Uh, we were investigating the theater. Um, mm, Wilbur Theater. Uh, the Wilbur Theater, 
which is currently uh, part of the estate of, uh, where did I put it? Daniel Ellsworth. Oh, Daniel Ellsworth. <laughs> this is all Dr. Kimball, or <laughs> Mr. Kimball, the ghoul <laughs> whispering in your ear, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. Um, yeah, so you see me looking yeah. off to the side. In the <laughs> so did you did you happen to find that... Uh... That there was a place of power, as we had suspected? Oh, yes, uh, most definitely. Almost oh. instantly, the, uh, the pressure from the ley line took effect. Quite wonderful. Uh, and we found the fettered spirit as well, but not his fetter itself. Hmm. Uh, he is partaking in Hamlet currently. Well, that seems to be the most active remaining member of the church that we have, that we have found yet. Uh, the director, uh, or the manager of the theater, he... Uh, knows about this as well as uh uh who would be protecting the area mm. uh, and uh apparently the spirit is uh outside of a couple odd occurrences here or there relatively harmless to the employees and the audience well it's good to hear that unlike uh corbett who seemed to harm those that came near his place of fetter and the uh, strange things that the young lady Flores was demanding that at least this ghost or surviving member is uh, a little less aggressive. Mm. And uh, other good news, I'll let Herr Wittmeyer talk about it, but uh, he too encountered uh, two Egyptian kings on his dream. Mm. Uh, Wittmeyer. <laughs> <coughs> Nothing? Yeah, so okay. <laughs> uh, uh, as I was I was telling Professor Mueller earlier, I don't understand much of it, and he gave me a basic rundown. But uh, I I did have a a dream uh, where I met these two uh, at an, these two. <laughs> I don't know if they're still men or not, but they looked at at an altar. Yo. Johan's eye starts twitching before uh, he gets to the <laughs> yeah. next part. <laughs> and then, yeah, they they deemed me worthy and gave me four gifts and <laughs> let me pass beyond the gate. Did I say Monroe? I meant mine, but Monroe's eye can start twitching after he hears it. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll definitely be like leaning in to hear that somebody made it past the gate. And I traveled through this uh, ancient forest and after overcoming the uh creatures in the forest as i came up upon a village unfortunately that's where i woke hmm. another bright spot as well is uh i believe that we found a gate box at mm -hmm. the wilbur theater you guys can make a cthulhu mythos roll. I, I forgot to ask you mueller but go ahead hmm Mm -mm. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm unfamiliar with the term gate box, Johan. It is all uh, new to me. Hmm. Uh, such thing doesn't uh, seem inconceivable compared to whatever else is going on. Yes, so, but uh, as far as activation of it, or oh man, I failed. Any sort of uh, <laughs> how could you have failed? <laughs> I thought I was going to make that one. <laughs> I have one point in it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll I'll describe it to him though with the markings that were on there, and uh, from what I know of it, is it's it allows you to travel vast distances or short 
I'm not sure exactly if it's just tied to another endpoint or if you determine which other gate you're going to come out of. But I think Johan dismisses most of what Whitmire says on the matter. Yeah, I'm going to say that's all. That's the position you have to take because you of the fumbled. failure. Yeah. yeah, but I don't want to quite be just outright rude to him. So, but yeah, like personally, Johan doesn't believe anything. Uh, Whitmire believes on the matter. Yeah, and I believe Whitmire, uh, in his travel over here, scribbled down from memory a few of those symbols that were on the outside of the safe. <laughs> Is this oh. going to be another time like the Harvard, <laughs> like the Harvard drawing where it is so horrible that it's unrecognizable? <laughs> uh, uh, well, you know, that's kind of good. Actually, <laughs> let's do that same thing. Um, let's, let's do your, I think I had you set up the the sketch skill or something like that when you tried to draw the Harvard symbol. So we'll have you do that roll again. What was the option to do education instead? No, it's not really pertinent to this one. I I might have called for an intelligence roll if there was, uh, for like remembering it, if there's a lot of time. (laughs) Could archaeology partake in that for like, not the sketching of people, but the sketching of like environments and in rooms yeah potentially i mean there is a lot of overlap with these skills i just wanted the higher fumble chance so he didn't create <laughs> <laughs> he didn't actually make aclo words that activated when he showed them to you or anything like that they're just not they don't but, capture the entirety of it but you it is good enough to, to whitmire's credit because they're relatively simple to look like what you have seen both you saw them both in the pyramid in, in Peru, and in that photograph that was given to you by Mr. Merriweather. The world appeals, I'll say, all aclo in nature. But... Yes, uh, although the, the these words don't quite make sense. Uh, any place that we've seen these these symbols definitely have uh, places of high importance. And the consortium is all over the theater, so yes. very likely. Now, I seem to remember that I got I got the update from Monroe last session about the consortium wanting us to find that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's why I was still looking at you kind of weird because you were supposed to be kept in the dark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Giving your, your goody-good nature. Yeah, but I like I, I won't really speak up while they're having this conversation because, I, I mean, I just got, like, the bullet points. I don't truly understand. Yeah. And, and I had, like... Monroe's idea of you know a sacrifice is somebody who has guilt in mm-hmm. in the uh, murder. So that that probably would have been part of my explanation to Andrews was that we need to find yeah someone that was guilty that we can yeah pin which, it on. Which is why I was happy to agree to it because you know we're trying to find the people responsible anyway. Mm-hmm. So. Um. Oh, by the by the way, did you find anything at the Hall of Records about those about the other members that had uh, passed away? Um, the other member, uh... yeah, they all saw the handouts, but now would be the first time their characters see the other two death certificates for Daniel Ellsworth and William Murrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess uh, we can lay them out on the table. Yeah, yeah. William Murrow, um, his uh, state went to his uh, his uh, widow. And they have a son there, um, uh, William or William Morrow Jr., I believe, that is living at the estate. I believe that's a name that you might yeah. recognize. Yeah, yeah one of the and Harvard along boys. Along with the widow. Uh, so, and they're staying where? At their uh, 
estate of the husband, the deceased. Other than that, I know not too much. Yeah, and, so we were... And then you also got the ones for Daniel Ellsworth and Lily Flores, right? Uh, Daniel Ellsworth, yes. I believe that when I inquired that Lily Ellsworth was not too much mentioned. You got the Lily Flores one from Wayne Nichols. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. From That's the right. articles. Um, because uh, Whitmire had sent him off to look into that. Well, that is why I went to the theater, because it that, was his. It was part of the estate. It was uh, that went to the state. I had to go to another uh, hall of records to uh, have some clerk find that for me. Oh, and uh, Herr Wittmeyer and myself, we encountered a, um, how do you say, um, a tail, a tail, uh, a tail, someone who is following us with uh, ah. the intent of spying. Although I held him at gunpoint. He didn't do a very really? good job. He was most terrified. Well, Congratulations, as it would be in order. <laughs> I had meant last time to send off telegraph to Betty. Yeah. Because we wanted to find the, some of the other names to see. If right. Related, right. Related. And you also had Wayne Nichols looking into that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I suppose I would have told her how to contact respond, you. Right. Okay. Well, we'll say that your telegram has been sent and it's out there. Okay. Bouncing off the world. Anyway, he was uh, sent with the intent of spying on me. He was there before. He was there when I was uh, exiled permanently from the public library. Um, an interesting story. I will tell you some other time. Um, but anyway, uh, I believe that he was sent by the consortium to keep an eye on all of my movements and actions. And I suspect that he will soon probably be dead or, or put under some spell and brainwashed away. Hmm. Or perhaps like the young librarian that uh, we encountered. Mm -hmm. uh, Very much. Anyway, looking at these death certificates, uh, Dr. Anders, do you see anything interesting about them? I've noticed that they all all died of the Spanish influenza. On the same day. On the same day, yes, yes. Let's see. Well, when and, you had seen him last time, you guys both mentioned that you saw Carl Moore mm -hmm. and Samuel Blackman as the informant. Yep. Yeah. Carl Moore being the physician. Right. So, so Carl Moore signed all these. I must apologize if I did not get so correct information. Ethan Perkins. No, no, this is this is perfect. This is exactly what we we were wondering about. I must admit that uh, the second I found that the, the theater was still owned and around, I, I rushed to it in hopes of finding another feather. Well, just knowing that it is a place of power means that we know that one is there. I have had a oh, theory or oh, inkling oh. about the locations. Uh, perhaps I'll run past you, Monroe. I believe that the, the, the old dreams and the... Uh, they also died the, at the same time, and their certificates are all signed by this Carl Moore. Do we know who that is? Nope, not yet. I apologize, Professor Mueller. A, that just uh, really stuck out to me. Oh, didn't no mean problem. To interrupt. Ah, interrupt. Unfortunately, I forget where I was going. Oh, well, it, it will come back to me. Um, you rushed on. Oh, the theory about the places of power, mm -hmm. the ley lines. Why would you need so much power to be channeled to you? Well, enough that it is most likely affecting. Uh, the dreams of most people in Boston. 
Well, as we had uh, read about in the story in the Libra Ivanis, uh, there was one grand, powerful wizard that was feeding off of the others. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps the only thing I can think of is is um, that these are the worshippers of Yig, and they're attempting to bring about something in his name. I believe that is summoning. It's if so, then that is uh, the question a very is, terrifying. Which direction is the summoning going? Are they going to bring, uh, uh, will it be Zogua into the reality? Or will they be bringing Boston into the dream? It's hmm. a very good question. If it is even correct. In a mechanical sense, Justin, you know that when Monroe has come out of these dreams, he has come out with less magic points. Okay. So... To funnel that into an in-game sort of thing, you, you know that it's impacted your ability to use that power. Yeah, and everyone has already mentioned that they are usually exhausted when they right. wake up. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll say, well, every time we've had one of these dreams, um, especially as we've we've ventured further into the dream, we've found our power drained the next morning, moments of exhaustion. Perhaps they are channeling the it is not co- a- collective... Is not a summoning, but a siphon. Perhaps, perhaps hmm. uh, their their lord uh, or their the the god that they worship requires this this siphoning for his. And other than fatigue, have you have any other side effects? Uh, as of yet, no. Although I I must admit that uh, on a a mental level, I feel drained in a way that I I rarely feel <laughs> in other ways. Oh, yeah. Did I um. Did I point out before that the on these death certificates that Samuel Blackman is the informant for all of them? Yeah, mm-hmm. you pointed and it that out. He was the one who defended these people when the church was raided. Um, I, you haven't pointed that out yet. Yeah, Ellsworth and Murrow and Lily <laughs> Flores. Uh, yes, they were arrested when they raided the church or the Chapel of Contemplation in 1912, but Blackman was the lawyer who defended them successfully, and uh, the prosecution backed away from them and went after Michael Thomas, who was Mm -hmm. sentenced to life in prison. So Blackman... Before he escaped. ...might be another uh, one to look into. He represents... He's something to do with the consortium. And he was also the one that w- had requested the the dream castle, correct? That was Mr. X, I believe. Well, Blackman is the person who wanted um, the Whitmire to get that locket or whatever, uh, the, yes. the talisman that we destroyed. Who, or we also enemies. say is also Mr. X, right? That, that they're His all shadow's all yeah. wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, they could be we're multiples, but we believe. He's Mr. Yeah. X yeah. as well. Um, okay. One thing that I... I uh, wanted to mention, I'm not sure if, if we're talking about the same dreams or not, but I, I didn't feel drained at all. I felt 100% fully rested after my uh, experience the no, night. No, uh, the, uh, the dreams that you went into is different. Um, the, to the best of my knowledge, the dreams that we are speaking of is of a burial mound yeah. in Oklahoma. Well, we assume it's in Oklahoma. It it matches with the location and I cannot tell. And yes, yes, uh, <laughs> one place looks the same in this country. Yes. Well, but yes, well, uh, 
several of us, especially those of us that have had interactions with these frog statues, and I have one in my house. I so I think you have three or no two now. Yeah, and then yeah. Doctor Andrews now has one. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll show him the statue. Uh, it seems as if everybody that we've we've found that has come across these statues has shared a dream. I've actually we've actually run into each other <laughs> in the dream and explored quite extensively the the uh the workings yeah the underneath of the burial mound but everyone that has run across these statues seems to have had the same dreams now dr andrews as the main character of the story (laughs) (laughs) who's had a a unique focus on the actual task at hand as a cult talk is how's that affecting you you know you i mean you've kind of had this this bone in your jaw for a while now and you've been pretty focused on it without getting too distracted. Yeah. Everyone yeah. <laughs> um, not, that's not a, a judgment of course, by yeah, the way, but it probably should be. <laughs> yeah. No, we've, we've, we've definitely gone off on some tangents. Well, I mean like uh, written in the, in the journal, like that he hears these conversations and he listens to them. But for him, it's like every time he gets to the point where he can start allowing himself to disbelieve occultish stuff, supernatural stuff, something happens that forces him to accept that it, it's real. But now he's like, that's like a thing that's chasing him and, right. and he's running from it not because he, he doesn't, I don't know quite how I will um, come, come to grips with all of it. And so I'm focused on the task at hand, not only because they care about Charlie and don't want him taking the fall for this murder, but also because it's like a distraction yeah. from having to to really make a decision for himself how, how he's going to approach all this occult stuff, right? Because it's like in the real world, in the professional world, he knows what he's doing and he knows what he's about. And so if he's going to take the time, if he's going to actually turn and, and, and look at this as it is, you know, then he's back to having to learn how to crawl and it's kind of a frightening thing. So it's like, that's the best I can describe it is like he does, he's, he accepts that it's, it's real and that it's going on, but uh, to protect his own ego and sanity right now, he's trying to stay focused on the tangible that you have this issue that has fallen into your lap with James Clark having been abducted by two men associated with Francis Walsh. Yeah. That seems to be crying out at you like a baby that needs immediate attention. And these guys are yeah, that's talking occult stuff. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what that, I wrote. Does that irritate you um, enough to like interject or? Yeah, it will. Eventually. Like, that's what I'm writing in my journal now. So <laughs> they're, they're continuing to talk about this, but I'm becoming agitated because Mr. Clark's been abducted. So, so yeah, I'm going to interject presently. Perhaps we should begin dousing for Herr Black. Is that his name? Blackman. Um, Blackman, hey. Although, I believe that uh, Dr. Anders had mentioned that he, he represented them as a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, if if he's represented as a lawyer, then he must perhaps, be licensed. Yes, he must be licensed, and perhaps we can just look I, him up. I would have preferred to douse. Uh, yes, perhaps there is time to uh, do some of that 
to see what kind of powers he may have, or if perhaps he is even one of these members of the church that uh, continues on after their supposed demise. Gentlemen, oh. gentlemen, this is all very interesting, no doubt, but I need to remind you that a man has been abducted by known criminals and a man who took on this case at our behest, and I think it'd be best if we focused on how we're going to rescue him. Well. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, of course. Would I'm not sorry. Be yeah. drawn too far afield. So, James, uh, the. Um, this the is man the who, first time that I'm hearing of this. Yes. Oh, well, we mentioned when we first yeah. met that uh, the lawyer had been taken by uh, Francis Walsh's men. Yeah, yeah I yeah. Still derailed them hard. Some other stuff uh, out in my head, though. Because I didn't care about yeah, the lawyer. Sweeney Byrne and Quinn yeah. Doyle, the men who tried to intimidate me. Um, are reported to have snatched James Clark. Well, it would be simple. While we simply find the replacement for Charlie Murphy, and then they will have no need for the lawyer. Yeah, but we don't know how long that's going to take us, and so we have these addresses given to us of three locations that that. Uh, Francis Walsh's men might take such a person that they've abducted. And so uh, I think we need to check these places out and see if we can effect a rescue because we can't which trust the police on this matter. Actually reminds me, uh, the source of our information of these three happened to be Sergeant Logan Terry himself. He came to us after we had had our meeting with Dr. Colin and sent Dr. Call to go speak with the young uh, mental patient that uh, had been pulled from Harvard after his contact with the with the uh, with whatever occult rituals they'd had, but uh, he claims that he has been working on a case secretly for many years to bring down what I actually assume now to be the consortium. Mm-hmm. And while I believe you know, that uh, any cop would be in over his head on that yes i agree but he did uh he did give us the locations where we might find uh the good uh do you perhaps think it's a trap that remains to be perhaps at uh logan terry's about as dirty as they come well well i certainly shared your opinion (laughs) up until this conversation he was very convincing that he was telling the truth Hmm. And that his primary concern is that we not jeopardize his own uh, undercover investigation. But in any case, he had mentioned that uh, perhaps using Mr. Whitmire's connections with one Patrick Malone to uh, gain some assistance might might be in order. And and I, I it had completely slipped my mind once uh, I began talking with the good Mr. Mueller. Uh, but, uh, Mr. Widmeyer, is that something that you might be able to assist us with? So, uh, what is, I guess, uh, I'm trying to decide if I know whether or not Patrick Malone would actually try to take on Francis Walsh. Well, let me make one correction. Logan Terry offered to put these guys in contact with Patrick Malone. He said it was a pity that Whitmire had disappeared and you couldn't use oh. his understanding of the world, uh, you know, the criminal underworld. But um, not directly. You know that Patrick Malone played uh, second fiddle to Francis Walsh when it came to bootleg liquor and the, the prior trades before 
liquor was outlawed. So, but he might take an opportunity to hurt him in some small, small way, especially if he doesn't have to do it directly. Say, if he could send some muscle that he's not too attached to or something like that, okay. he might go in for it. Yeah, that's so I, I was having kind of a similar idea of, of trying to uh, hire some, you know, some street toughs and then uh, make Malone aware of it that uh, these three places were going to get get hit and, you know, do what that with that information, what you will to increase your own power. Alternatively, you do still seem to have good relationship with uh, Drew's crew. You know, the four guys you met at the beginning of this scenario, I think it was the second session, maybe? Yeah. When you I were was, asking. With three locations, uh, I would want them to be uh, on one of them. I figure we can take another one and then street toughs for... Unless and, Malone's got some guys he doesn't care to what happens and while, to. While uh, Sergeant Terry had mentioned that uh, a good majority of the police had been... Uh, replaced with those that were in the pocket of, of higher ups and were dirty. We do have at least good faith that Wayne Nichols is, is in good standing. And, uh, perhaps he has one or two other police officers that he might rely on. And it wouldn't be un untoward if the police were to investigate a missing lawyer. So perhaps we could rely on the detective to go to one location. We could, have Drew's crews go to another location and perhaps us along with Finn McCracken could go to the third. Yeah. Yeah. As uh, we could also, well, well, it, since it'll take just a minute to arrange all this, we can also send, uh, and also see if I can, uh, find someone to keep an eye on those addresses. That way I can get more, more likely information on which one he, he might be in. As much as I, disdain the use of children we do have some very innocent young yeah. men that that are more than happy to assist us in this manner and perhaps Not they will uh, they will uh avoid suspicion where you know someone hanging out in a in a car across the street might might draw an eye well no that's um, exactly the route that i was i was thinking was using the kids from the uh cemetery <laughs> or from the church mm-hmm we must i can't remember what they called themselves though we really are like right on the borderline (laughs) of morality and everything that we do aren't we (laughs) i I must again remind everyone who this is linked to is not linked to some mafia boss is linked to as a consortium yeah and we must be careful and delicate in execution in executing any of your plans because we will not anger a mafia boss. We will anger an ancient cult. <laughs> well, as long as we uh, are ensured that uh, each of the parties that are involved are only there to rescue the good lawyer. I, um, again, interrogate that the best way to save him is to offer up a new sacrifice in place of Charlie Murphy. Well, even if we find a sacrifice, we need to have the lawyer there to make the case to sacrifice the young man. I do not think so. I think they may just simply replace him with the sacrifice. Well, we would still need to use the legal route in order to get the young man free. Not if they are able to twist the minds of the people and just simply make them think that they are executing Charlie Murphy. Have we, uh, 
Have we seen a, a point where they have done something along those lines? Because if all we have to do is give them a name, then we have already done such. They don't want a name. They want a body at the exact location. Remember? Oh, we, I believe we, we had different understandings of, we were given of what they meant by sacrifice. I thought that they meant that we would uh, we, we were have given someone an address. tried. We were given an address to deliver. A name. Yeah. Okay, a name. Yeah, not necessarily a body. I may have misspoke, but my memory was also, they. there's a name you can dead drop. Yeah. And they'll tell you if this is suitable. The only advice he gave is that it should be somebody who fits the particulars of the mm-hmm. crime, or can be seen to fit the particulars of the crime. So at the very yeah. least, I believe that the boys at Harvard are our best bet. I I agree, and uh, Detective Nichols has, has been doing some investigations up there, so we should be able to hear from him, uh, unless you have heard anything else. But I would view this as a carrot, is what the lawyer is. He is working yes. for us, he is a carrot to ensure that we get the job done. Yes. If you go and you just snatch the carrot from the stick... Which is why we must have the the name to drop at the same time that we rescue the young men. I will remind the, you, the Mr. Monroe, that when you met with the consortium member earlier today, he did seem somewhat wary about your idea. Of the Harvard of, boys? Of the Harvard boys, because they had a lot of assets in mm-hmm. place on the uh, campus. Which I brought up uh, when they were first originally right. mentioned. But yeah. but that you kind of got distracted because you mentioned the Lieber, Ivanus, and it took him down a totally different path. So uh, it might have just seemed like a small detail, but okay. it is there now. I mean, it could, those people could be more complicated. You don't know. Well, to pin it on. Either way, it will take some time for us to uh, gather the resources to try to rescue the, the good lawyer. And in the meantime, you and I can perhaps find the, a suitable member to offer up in his place. Well, the dinner hour is coming up. You guys have enough time for a small errand before you might make it out to Detective Nichols' home. So you could send off a telegram or get in contact with somebody or anything else you might want to do. Or you could skip it entirely if you feel so inclined. I, I would like to um, I would like to uh, see if I could find those kids. I keep waiting for Johan to pull the note that he got out. <laughs> do you do you have a map here in your museum of Boston? Uh, I believe so. <laughs> Yeah, we have a map. I believe we were there marking we parts of it. Yeah, so I'll that's what we were looking for was to look at the map and see where those addresses are that we were given. Okay, and I'm guessing near where the big red arrow is is where the uh, the theater house was. Uh, no, no, actually, that remains to be discovered. Oh. Is there a place to sit down in your? Uh, yeah, I'd have a table with everything. All right. So while they're pouring over the map, I'll uh, pull out the envelope from the uh, attache. Okay. And I'll give it a peek. Let me mark one more. Yeah. Where are you at, Wilbur Theater? It's a little too fuzzy on this one, so we'll put it here for now. Hmm. Right there. To the south of the Boston Commons. Okay. So... That would be the other direction. All right. Mr. Mueller, give me a luck roll. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so yeah, you. So I start blasting. <laughs> you uh, surreptitiously, you know, break open the seal on the envelope there, and inside is just a card upon which is a name, and you, you know, open the envelope just to peek at it, and you see that the name is Doctor Wallace Andrews. Hmm. I'll kind of frown at that, and then I'll uh, put the envelope back in my attaché. Oh wait! Is there anything like all anything else on the? Uh... No, no. It was okay. just. Yeah, I'll put it back in my uh, attaché. So to give the context again, uh, although he didn't seem to know the particulars, he had said, "Let me get the wording correct." Apparently, the calculus has been done on this person, and they can safely be removed from the board, hmm. with an illusion that you or Mister Monroe might know how to do that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Monroe was included in that. I'll talk to you later. (laughs) When you're not currently. (laughs) Uh, And um, Whitmire, it's no problem for you to get in touch with the great knights. uh, As it's still late afternoon pushing on into evening, you knew their stomping grounds and kids on bikes can't get too far from that. And you do see them cruising around the three of them again on their way to some activity or another when you uh, flag them down. Yeah. So I'll, I'll uh, just tell them that we, I've, you know, we've got another job for you, for you guys. We just need, uh, if you guys are interested, at least we just need to uh, have you guys keep an eye on how a uh, few different houses for us. As you don't interact with anybody that comes in or out as you know, don't, Make yourself noticeable. Just keep an eye and, you know, give me, give us an idea of whether or not they're actually occupied. That's it? You don't want us to storm the place or nothing? Not yet. That may be an option a little bit later. We got to try and figure out if they're, if someone's actually there or not first. All right. I could do that. It depends on the price. How much you offering? Well, this is a a very high priority. Yeah, very high priority. I'll give you guys $2 each. Throw on a pack of smokes, and we'll call it good. And come to my trunk. I've <laughs> <laughs> uh, got all those uh, cigarettes. Right. <laughs> Even when we're trying to be normal, we're sinister. <laughs> so, yeah, he uh, he's like, oh, great, Lucky Strikes. These are my brand. And he tears open the package, pulls it out, expertly lights it, and he's like, I'd say you got a deal. You didn't even pack it, kid. <laughs> He's still young. Perfect. Dude, you could it's probably all... remove the $2 and just make it a carton each or something. Yeah. It might be say, cheaper. If I, if I was thinking about it, I would have just uh, offered him. Well, actually, he'll negotiate that once he sees that you have like literal cartons in there. He'll be like, hey, just give us all the smokes and we'll call it even. Well. Look at set up him, a crime uh, empire yeah. right here. Be selling singles <laughs> down on the street corner. <laughs> so, hey, lucky strikes, yeah. <laughs> give you one carton. Was, uh, yeah, watching watching three locations definitely ain't worth the whole box. All right, you got yourself a deal. Uh, now, if we got to storm the place, then maybe you'll get the rest. All right, well, we're ready. I got my knife. Uh, where do we Where do we send... Uh, you know, if we got something to tell you, what what are we so, looking for? What do we tell you? Um, mainly what we're looking for, and I'll I'll give them a description of uh, you know, Doyle and uh, what was the other guy's name? Quinn. Quinn. Or is it yeah, something like that? 
Quinn and Sweeney, I think. It's Quinn and Sweeney. There you go. Yeah. Um, but mainly you're looking for, you know, if you see either of these two, you know, get a, a telegram to, uh, to me at this address or this address, which is one is going to be Detective Nichols' house. The other one is going to be uh, Lance Monroe's shop. Okay. I'll be at either one of those two locations tonight. All right. You got it. As uh, if you if you don't see anybody in or out or any signs that anybody's there at the at one of these locations, you know, after a couple hours, right? Because it's getting on towards evening, so I figure there'd have to be some type of lighting that comes on if it's actually going to be occupied. If you don't, yeah, see he says going in he, or out, you know, he says that they do have to leave when the lights come on, otherwise, Ma will kill us. Well, it should give you enough time to to figure out if anybody's actually coming in or out. All right. You can count on us. And if you see, and I'll give them the description of uh, James Clark. Is that the one? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you see this guy, like, j- immediately send out that, that telegram and then uh, let me know that you saw him. All right. You can count on it, Mr. Whitmire. And so, they speed off. Yeah. Look forward to hearing from you boys. Uh, was there anything else you guys wanted to do or show we... Travel out of town to Wayne Nichols' house. Um, I guess that's good for me. All right. So the dinner hour has arrived. You guys have just pulled up to Wayne Nichols. He has a nice um, like manor house in the outskirts of Boston. Uh, not too big or ostentatious, but looks like it was built, you know, maybe 50 years ago and expanded and... Uh, his wife seems to take very good care of it and the help. So he meets you at the door and he shakes all your hands and he's like, ah, Whitmire, Mr. Mueller, glad you guys could make it this time. Thank you for the invite. I apologize that I was not able to make it last time, but uh, business took me out of Boston. Oh, that's quite all right. As I said, it's probably for the best. Well, she's almost done if you guys... Would like to start this out properly with a drink and follow me to the study. Uh, thank you very much. Your hospitality is most gracious. So how is the investigation going? Anything new? All sorts of wonderful new things. Unfortunately, uh, uh, I believe that uh, nothing all too new as far well, as the investigation itself, correct? One thing that uh, has happened that is most just distressing is that uh the lawyer that we procured <laughs> oh, yes, to represent mind. <laughs> represent charlie dooley has been kidnapped uh he was having lunch with dr call who i believe you know from the the hermetic yes. order and he uh these two street toughs just came and took him and and took off with him we've managed to id the man the men that took him and and believe that they are members of the francis walsh gang uh well that is not good. What's... And we will... Uh, this is something we can discuss more about over the, the course of dinner, but uh, what what did you find at Harvard that, that may be helpful? Well, I was hesitant to interview anybody, given my current status with the Boston Police Department, but I did some digging around the matter, and... I found a few things that you might find interesting. So when it comes to Porcellian, right, that was the name of Mm -hmm. the final club. 
I found a few things and the missing student and professor. So let's start. Oops. <laughs> Never mind. I got to log back in. <laughs> I panicked and closed hmm. out my browser. <laughs> Where's the handout? So do we actually have those? Like we, we see the mugshots in our, our uh, stuff. Do you actually uh, have them? Do we actually have mugshots of those two? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I suppose that uh, one of us would have, like, have it in the attache or whatever briefcase <clears> that we carry, and, and we could pull yeah. those out and say that these were the men that, that had a Yeah, you actually got them kidnapped. from uh, Wayne Nichols. Yeah, he, okay, he so. gave them to me. Oh, so yeah. Have you seen these before? <laughs> yeah. Do you know these these men? But yeah, we'll, we'll mention that those were the two that uh, Dr. Call had described. All right, this one's a pretty long one, so bear with me. So, just generally on porcelain. So, here we go. So, the headline is We, 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 (laughs) the time honored dinner of the Porcelain Club, a gathering of many of Harvard's witty and wise. A Jew might object, but a Gentile never, to the peace de resistance which has for the past 100 years graced the table at the annual dinner of the Porcelain Club at Harvard, and which, per force, was the subject of masticatory discussion at the supper last Saturday evening, in plain and unpretentious English, roast pig. The scene of the festivities was in their new and elegantly furnished building on Harvard Street, and the essence of tempting food permeated the atmosphere and was an incense to its newborn shrine. There is no dispute as to when the first roast pig was served, and the club gained its distinctive name, but there are those who claim a greater antiquity for the club than its own records, which began with the porcine bill of fair in 1791. They whisper an amusing anecdote. In the year 1791, a student brought a pig into his room in Hollis. In those days, the window seats were merely long boxes with lids, used to store articles in. Said student, having an antipathy to the proctor who roomed beneath, was accustomed to squeeze Piggy's ears and make him squeal whenever said proctor was engaged in the study of the classics. The result would be a rush by the proctor for the student's rooms, where the student was to be found studying, peacefully seated on his window seat. Piggy, in the meantime, had been deposited beneath, and no sound disturbed the tranquility of the scene. On the departure of the hated proctor, a broad grin would spread over the countenance of the joker, and in a little while the scene would be repeated with variations. But when it was rumored that this room was to be searched by the faculty, the Joker determined to cheat them of their prey. So, he invited some of his classmates to the room, and the pig being cooked, all present partook of a goodly feast. They enjoyed their midnight meal so much that they determined then and there to form a club and have such entertainments periodically. In order to render historical the origin of the club and also to give it a classic touch, they decided to call it the Porcellian from the Latin Porcus. It is said that sometimes the squealing of a pig can be heard faintly in the club appointments even to this day. The Porcellian consists of honorary and immediate members, the former graduates, the latter selected from three upper classes of the university. The officers are a grand marshal chosen from the honorary members, three trustees who hold the property of the club, a deputy marshal and a librarian chosen at the close of their junior year and a secretary who enters upon his duties at the close of his sophomore year. In 1803, the nucleus of the club's present beautiful library of some 10,000 choice volumes was laid on a substantial and thoroughly orthodox basis. 
The Porcellian Club in 1831 enrolled under its banners the Knights of the Square Table, a club founded in 1809, and of kindred aims with its own. The enlargement of the club's library and the fact of its growing postgraduate or honorary membership role compelled it from time to time to enlarge its accommodations. Finally, in 1889, it determined to tear down the old house where it had so long met on Harvard Street and build a new structure on its site. The new structure is of brick, handsomely trimmed in stone, and rises to the height of four stories with about 70 or 80 feet of frontage on Harvard Street. Two large stores claim a part of the ground floor, but they do not encroach on the broad and handsome entrance to the club's apartments. The three upper floors are used exclusively by the club. The first of them contains a large hall, which opens both into the front and rear reception rooms and parlors, which in turn communicate. From each of these rooms, a door leads to the library. On the second floor, there is a billiard hall in the front and a breakfast room in the rear, with the kitchen over the main hall of the floor beneath, as well as rooms for the trustees. Nearly the whole of the top floor is taken up by a large banquet hall, vaulted by handsome rafters. One is impressed after seeing the hallowed halls of the pig, if not disappointed, to have heard nothing of the namesake squealing in distant chambers. So yeah, it's, I guess, the history, and if you're so inclined, they paint you a map right there. But uh, let's see what else I dug out. Ah, missing. So professor and student missing. This is from the Harvard Crimson, the April 25th, 1921 edition. Professor Ronan Jarvis, head of Harvard's anthropology, anthropology Department, did not attend his classes last week and is now presumed missing by Boston police. <coughs> However, no evidence of foul play has been discovered. He was first noticed missing when he was expected to attend the senior thesis colloquium this past Thursday. His home in Somerville was found to be undisturbed by investigators. Apparently unrelated to the dis disappearance of Professor Jarvis, Murrow Beckett, an undergraduate at Harvard, went missing the month before. Comment by police detectives suggests no foul play, although Mr. Beckett's parents have made the claim his apartments were disturbed in some fashion. Mr. Beckett was a member of the final club, Porcellian. Was uh, Mr. Beckett the young man that, the name of the young man that, uh, you yeah, that was spoken to Betty through the radio. Williams. Yeah, that's um, yeah Betty's boyfriend, right? Okay, yeah. Sure. <clears throat> we should just and pin all this on her. I mean, she's already <laughs> associated with two people that. Hi, I'm. Not, well, it's like we're <laughs> actually in front of other people. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is just my my thoughts here. <laughs> oh, this is no time for joking, have it, Maya? Uh, Apparently, through the summer, this the stewards. Uh, the students that maintain these uh, porcelain club, they're emptied out when the school year is not in, as they most of them go home to their families or whatnot. But they have been doing weekly <clears throat> feed the hungry, you know, like a soup kitchen right there in the club uh, every Saturday, from what I hear. But also they plan a bigger feast. This is from also the Harvard Crimson, the Thursday, June second, nineteen twenty one edition pig out feast planned. Porcellian has announced a feast dedicated to the faculty of Harvard, and thanks for their commitment and dedication to the students of Harvard. Free your belts this Independence Day and pig out with the pork. We thank you, student and Porcellian member William Murrow Jr. said. The feasting will begin at 4 p.m. and will continue until all faculty are fed. What is on the menu for the proposed feast is a mystery, but surely the faculty can count on Porcellian's famous roast pig 
which students have whispered about for many years. William Murrow Jr. William Murrow Jr. Yeah. That's, um, and Francis Walsh is his godfather. Yes. And that's why they're wanting anybody but him to take responsibility for it. And they centered on poor Charlie. Yes. Um, Have you looked into uh, the missing student or any of the other members of the Porcelian? I just learned about the missing student today. I was thinking about going and talking to the family because, as you can see, that news article has mentioned that they claim there was some disturbance in his apartments. Mm. I thought perhaps maybe I wouldn't get in too much trouble with that one, you know. I was hesitant to interact with Porcelain members directly. I did spy their clubhouse from afar. Mm. Uh, Pretty nice place. That's what you'd expect from a bunch of rich kids, I'd say. And they are all rich? There wouldn't happen to be one that was uh, uh, down on his luck? Well, I mean, this is Harvard we're talking about. I, uh, I have a roster of past and present members. I mean, you can... Teddy Roosevelt, for... God's sake, was a member of Porcelain. Hmm. So what you're saying is we should go and kidnap Francis Walsh's godson. <laughs> well, no. Oh. I'm not even sure what to do yeah. about James Clark. I mean, it's possible he's just trying to put the fear of God in the lawyer. And uh, I don't know. You guys may not have to do anything and you'll get him back. I'm sure he would be much com- compromised and maybe decide not to take your case, well, even at the fear of being disbarred but detective nichols i was i was curious have you ever run across a, a time where uh someone has perhaps committed a crime and and out of shame or fear of being found out they uh they fled <laughs> well, yes <laughs> and would the disappearance of this young man from harvard perhaps fit that kind of a pattern where uh he rapidly disappeared after a certain amount of time after the the Dooley murder or around the time of the Dooley murder. Are you talking about the professor? No, the the young man that, uh, um, what Betty's was his name? boyfriend. Yeah. Betty's boyfriend. Was it Merle? Merle, Merle Beckett. Yeah. Merle Beckett. Um, this young Merle Beckett, um, perhaps maybe even had, uh, a hand in the disappearance of the professor as well. I, excuse me. Are you telling me what you think happened or are you trying to, paint a narrative that like what are we doing here well uh we we've discovered that one of the young men of the portillion has uh gone insane right uh, that he had been rambling about all kinds of occult things and and uh it made no sense but if him and this young murrow like we we know that they had uh had a, a conflict with uh mr dooley at one point after uh, they they had been chased off by Mr. Dooley, and and so we we know that these young men have have a, a reason to harm him, um, and you know perhaps they took something farther than they expected, and one of them uh, it broke him, and the other one fled in in fear. I see. And he goes to open his mouth, and then you hear the like a doorbell chime, and it echoes throughout the house, and he's like, "Excuse me for one moment." Uh, he comes back shortly with a telegram addressed to Dr. Andrews or Mr. Monroe, whoever. <laughs> I'll, I'll snatch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's for me. Andrews uh, okay. comes before Monroe. <laughs> so it's a telegram you see from uh, Dr. Call. Mm-hmm. So 
It says, I'm at Danvers now. Stop. I must say, a dreadful pall of melancholy hangs over the gothic structure. Stop. (laughs) Fear not, as your determined and faithful companion treads forward. Stop. With a beacon of truth held before me, I will face the madness. Stop. We're never going to see him. Again. <laughs> That's the, the end of the telegram. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm liking this guy more and more. Yeah. Dr. Call is. Perhaps he is putting up a facsimile of uh, how he views our own discussions. <laughs> Perhaps, but it, it is. Is he wonderful. mocking us? Doc, so, yeah, Dr. Call reports that he's uh, at. Danvers now, and he'll be looking into what we asked him to do there now. He sent that at uh, 1700, so in the evening. Danvers, is that uh, the sanitarium? Yes, that's Yes, that's uh, actually, uh, Detective Nichols, that's where the young man that that I was just speaking of had ended up. So which young Uh, man is is in the sanitarium? Is that uh, the Bowers kid, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the Beckett, he fled... Well, he, he we're that, just hearing him through the radio. Yeah. Well, okay. The assumption is that uh, <laughs> the Beckett kid fled, and the Bowers young man uh, suffered some crime of conscience or some some uh, internal struggle that that broke his mind. Well, there's an issue there. It depends on where he was and during that, the murder. That's what we're attempting to find out. Because um, um, as so far as the Bowers young man, uh, what when did he disappear? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't have any information on Bowers. Uh, I had the 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 uh, clipping. I assume, or I don't assume. It says Murrow Beckett. Um, now you guys know about more about Bowers than I did. When did they say he went mad? Uh, Was it as a result of this? Like, I'm I'm afraid we don't know all of the details, but. Uh, but uh, yes, so, that, that was actually part of the reason we sent Doctor Call out there to look or to speak with him. He has some contacts at Danvers that uh, may give him better access to the young man than us. And your uh, the doorbell chimes again. <laughs> well, when Quite the busy uh, night. Betty Williams say that that he went missing. Uh, she told us, uh, didn't she? Hold on, I want to hear this. One sec. Let me go grab uh, whoever's at the door. So he comes back and he's like, um, when he's another away. telegram. When he's away, <laughs> I'll turn to Dr. Andrews and I'll say, there are some things that we cannot discuss in public easily in front of those who do not know Dr. Andrews. I'll, uh, you are educated man. Surely you understand this. I'll, uh, I'll just give him a wink. <laughs> I'll kind of look at Monroe <laughs> and then like at Whitmire. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so another telegram from Dr. Cole. <laughs> okay. And I'll, you know, I'll just rub, rub my forehead and smile. So, <laughs> I am in the belly now. Stop. I can hear the cries of the insane echoing through the halls. Stop. Although my hands quiver, I know a pertinent answer lies here. Stop. Know that I maintain a steely resolve no matter where my inquiry may take me. Stop. And that's the end of the telegram. Are you reading these out loud? Yeah. <laughs> Did he bring a stenographer with him into his office? Yeah. How was he? Yeah, he sent this one, yeah. what, four minutes four after minutes the last after one? after the first one, yeah. He has to go back upstairs. To- <laughs> uh, I, I am sure that if we wait just another few minutes, then we will receive yet another telegram. 
I well, Doctor Call is quite a character. I await his next telegram with bated breath. Uh, oh yes, Doctor Call. I suppose we all know how he is. So sorry, um, I broke my chain of thought. We were getting to something. What were you saying just now, Mister Monroe? Oh, that uh, part of the reason we had sent Doctor Call was to find out, you know, when this happened and whether or not they could be related. And as far as the the missing boy, I'm afraid I don't know when exactly he went missing. And I'm sorry, Andrews, you said that you've been in radio communication with Beckett? No, no, no. Sorry. I was thinking of something else. But you've had some admission of guilt from Beckett. Yeah, according to his girlfriend. Hmm. I see. So do we have any possibility of getting him to come forward? Well, unfortunately, she doesn't know where he is now. He's on the lam. Yeah. That is the problem. <laughs> so who else we got? Now, the does the professor still exist in this new timeline? Yes, Jarvis. Yeah. So he had also gone missing and p- reportedly also played some part in this. Yeah, I was um, hoping to get a look at his offices, you know. Well, you all you needed to do was go to the anthropology department. <laughs> right. Of course, I was working in the constraints of space and time, and I couldn't get there quite a way before matters called me elsewhere. Kind of being a shatter there. <laughs> but yes, I had thought about that. As I understand it, he's tenured, so uh, his his appointments have been left as is, despite his disappearance all the way back in, what was it, April I think. Uh, if only I wasn't constrained by yeah. space and time. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Fiona Nichols makes herself known at that point. She peeks her head in the study and she says, uh, dinner's on, gentlemen. Mm. I look forward to it. I'll kind of give one last look at the door. The, the front door. <laughs> Waiting for another one. Gentlemen, perhaps I should make haste to Danvers. To assist Dr. Call, I'm starting to wonder if we're going to get anything useful out of him. But he is most likely already out of the sanitarium if he is sending telegrams. Well, he's sending them every four minutes, so he's probably still there walking back unless, upstairs. And unless he runs in there or runs out with each new uh, location. Yeah. <laughs> well, he is. you do know he is out of any immediate help because Danvers is somewhere at the midway point between Boston and Arkham. So it is a trip in the opposite direction out of town. Mm-hmm. But And it would well, most likely delay your true. further investigation that's into true. But he is your friend. I do worry. Well, yeah, let's, I'll, we'll just go eat. I'll ask Mrs. Nichols how she's feeling. Much better. Hmm. Uh, thank you for your help the other night. I appreciate that. Of course. Have your, how have your dreams been of late? I still sometimes dream of that burial mound, right? Is that what yes, you determined yes. it was? Uh, but uh, they seem to be fading a little bit. Mm-hmm. Ah, perhaps uh, the removal of the statue has has helped. I, I had hoped as much. I'll give Monroe a kind of a angry look. Because he's, I, I perceive that as him having a point in his theory as to what causes the dreams. Yeah. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, I 
since I've had this time and I've been at my wit's end with this case, I have allowed my wife to look at what notes I have. And she noticed something, or by coincidence, she has seen a particular symbol before, but I'll let her tell it. And she's like, yes, it's probably nothing. I I hope I'm not wasting your time here, but uh, I'm quite an avid reader. And there's a little bookstore in downtown Boston called The Mind's Eye, where I go to get my books from time to time. It should have been uh, the Cafe Orion. Oh, (laughs) the Orion's Uh, Anyhow, prominent in the window is some book I picked up just because it was being advertised. Uh, The author doesn't give his name. He's simply known as The Voice. I know. That's kind of silly, but uh, well, here, here's one of the books, and and uh, she puts it on the table, and she says, "I know the title is absurd. It's Gargantuan Women from Mars is mm. the title of the book, and I don't normally go in for this sort of thing, but just because it was so prominent, I thought there must be something to it. But I, I can assure you that it's very poor quality. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, in the future, there is some cataclysm that's going to happen on Earth." So they send all the women to Mars because, well, you see, women are the only ones who can endure the long space travel to Mars without tearing each other to pieces, I guess. And uh, when they get there, they find that Mars is actually quite a hospitable place. In particular, the red algae is nutritious for for humans. And and all these women uh, grow to gargantuan size by eating this red algae and, I guess, the lessened gravitational effects of Mars. Uh, Anyhow... Long story short, they return to Earth, these huge 50-foot-tall women, and they terrorize the remaining denizens of Earth. Uh, Sounds very interesting. Sounds like a good, interesting book. Thank you. I'm coming to it. (laughs) The thing that I noticed is (laughs) at the back, uh, this author, the voice, um, well, I saw this symbol. And so you see on the jacket, it has the I symbol in -hmm. place of where the author's face then a uh, face would be and the little doodle says not since the bard has a master of narrative power put pen to paper and it, it goes on with like a lot of accolades but you see when you're flipping through it that this is a vanity press thing. yeah so but it has that eye symbol yeah and i uh well like i said i hope i'm not wasting your time but uh that i i found this at the Mind's Eye in downtown Boston. Perhaps it's of some meaning to you or your investigation. But enough of that. I won't allow it at my table, if you gentlemen mind. I'd like to take conversations to a a lighter topic. (laughs) I think all of us just kind of don't know what to do at that point. (laughs) I'm not used to having... uh pornography on written form introduced <laughs> at the dinner table. <laughs> Even in Germany, this is rather shocking. Yeah, it seems to be a common theme for him. Uh, he has another one like that, but this one is from the perspective of modern day. Well, sometime in the future where the men, instead of the women growing large, the men shrunk, and uh, apparently they're no good for, how should I put this delicately, uh, uh, breeding? <laughs> so the uh, a team of scientists, women scientists, of course, travel to the past to find uh, good stock for the continuation of the the species. I'm sorry, did you say women scientists? Uh, well, this is fiction, after all, <laughs> Doctor. Indeed, <Andrews>. indeed. <laughs> uh, another one I think was was World War One, but where the Greek gods had waded into the fray and chosen sides. I 
Uh, but yeah. well, I will point out as a doctor, of course, that it, in order for to travel to Mars, you'd have to go quite fast, and women's bodies simply can't hold up to <laughs> traveling faster than thirty-eight miles per hour. The uterus will fly right out, as we all know. <laughs> of course, doctor. Of course, you're right. <laughs> Ding dong! <laughs> the chime at the front door goes off again. Uh, and let's hear oh, yes. Doctor Call. <laughs> Doctor Call again. Yes. I, I assume at least. Thank you, Doctor Call. That was the most odd conversation. <laughs> and, uh, the I most have, perfect transition time. <laughs> and I have had a rather odd conversations as of late. <laughs> so uh, Nichols comes in, tapping the telegram on his hand, and he's like, uh, "Doctor Call again. I think we should really have a conversation with him." <laughs> So here's the third well, one. Why don't you catch the dude delivering <laughs> these and tell him to just give them all at once? I think probably in the time frame he would have came with them all at once, but it seemed more funny to do it this way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. So uh, this is a little bit uh, later. Yeah, so good. Wallace Bowers is an extraordinarily troubled young man. Stop. He is quite mad and babbles at length about being the savior and the destroyer. Stop. He speaks of multiple lives. Stop. He says the hunters are coming. And worse. Stop. He claims his eye has been opened. Stop. He can see them and other creatures that lurk on phases man should not comprehend. Stop. I am gathering my courage in the cafeteria for another bout with the young man. Stop. <laughs> so, at least it seems like uh, Dr. Call's enjoying a lovely evening meal as well. <laughs> I do have to compliment you on your uh, this fantastic dinner. Mm, what is it? Uh, roast pork. <laughs> of and course, a bit it of is. serendipity. Uh, but look, my dear husband is eating the vegetables. Ah, wonderful! I am glad that the malady is past. And once again, I must compliment you most thoroughly on a most wonderful dinner. And I'll kind of start covering my plate just in case. <laughs> <laughs> Because I believe that was what happened last time, right? Yeah. It was around the compliment. <laughs> yeah, something around then, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll express my gratitude once again for for the meal and, and the hospitality. But I'm not looking like disgusted. I'm anticipating. Right. <laughs> well, uh, and she's now disappointed. She doesn't vomit. She says, well, I will go get the dessert prepared. Uh, please, if you want to keep this book for your investigation, go ahead. I... Uh, do not recommend reading it, though. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> and, and I'll actually kind of flip through it a little bit. Just kind of, you know. That's always fun to do with bodice rippers is just find a page and see how stupid it is. Yeah, just like maybe find a beginning of a chapter or an end <laughs> of a like, chapter and like read a couple paragraphs and then flip through again. And Yeah, you... Uh, just. You just more out of curiosity of why a book like this would be attached to the symbol, like knowing what the symbol is. Mm -hmm. Well, um, it doesn't actually touch on any of those subjects. It, it really is just about the fiction that that person's writing, the, the voice, whoever they are. But uh, you well, do get a sense from reading it as you came across people like this in college that there is a variety of author that is uniquely lacking in self-awareness about their own ability and this comes out in every page you know he he constructs the he constructs the or he constructs these like dramatic moments and then totally wrecks them mm. with uh 
either in precise language or or just being too heavy handed, you know. Okay. I'll be trying to like link any kind of subtle undertones or anything <laughs> like that with with uh, you know the the occult things that we've uh, yeah. known the eyes to be associated with. I'll be kind of poking my nose. <laughs> oh, perhaps if you take the first letter. <laughs> yes, I was I was thinking about perhaps some cipher or uh, uh, you read the direction. I'll continue to read backwards and upside down. Perhaps we'll find something. <laughs> but there is the stamp for the Mind's Eye bookstore on there and, and the address of where it is in Boston. You can actually give me a navigation roll when you look at that address. I got too many uh, telegrams up for me to find my <laughs> character. Uh, there's my character. Navigation. Dude, my navigation's a 10. <laughs> I know, mine too. Mine's a 70. Yeah, I know. So, so yeah, I'll, I'll say, I'm afraid I don't know where this, this mind's eye is. Uh, Dr. Andrews, Mr. Whitmire, Johan, uh, perhaps you know uh, Mr. Nichols? Uh, uh, I haven't heard of it. What are we doing, navigate? Mm-hmm. It, should I push it? <laughs> nice. I know right where it is. I built it. <laughs> wow. I've, I've been staying there. I, it's my shop. I wrote that. <laughs> we found the voice. That would make sense I'll, as to why they would want me to eliminate you because you are already a member of the consortium. Wait, what? <laughs> so you, uh, I think I know but why. Before you, you eliminate me, now. let me do that uh, that operation on you. Oh, of course. <laughs> That's the only thing saving you from being eliminated right now. Yeah, is he still waiting on that trepanning? Uh, yeah. So you just happened to walk by it because it was by the Omni Parker House. In downtown Boston. <laughs> you know, weird stuff happens at these dinners. <laughs> Perhaps we should perform the tray panning here <laughs> to keep with tradition. And, and I need an ounce of flesh removed. <laughs> uh, which does have some, uh, once Omni Parker House is mentioned by Dr. Andrews, this does trigger in your guys' mind, because just last night while you were dousing around from the graveyard, you had found a ley line that ran in that direction. And the Omni Parker place is... Uh, it was like north. Like right where that arrow is? Yeah. Okay. Whitmire had also stayed there and had an encounter with uh, a being. Was it Omni Parker Publishing? Uh, Omni Parker House. It's a, oh. it's a luxury hotel. Okay. Is okay. that where Mr. Blackman found me? Uh, he or found you that? in the second place. That's where you fled after oh, finishing right. the unnamed yeah. cults. <laughs> where the gods reside. All right. Ding dong. Nice. Oh, right on time. Oh, for... <laughs> he cuts off a swear and he goes up to the door, comes back, Dr. Call, of course. Yeah. For all his eccentricities, this is becoming rather entertaining. I have it. Stop. Bowers says Murrow led the fateful ritual. Stop. Although perhaps it is not in its Gaelic spelling, but the Anglicanized Murrow instead. Stop. Although... The French Moreau is certainly a possibility. Stop. <laughs> I am spent for now and will seek lodging. Stop. If more is needed, please inform me, else I will return in the morning. Stop. Well, there's your proof. So, yeah. Uh, the, sorry. We just got to go find a, what, Gaelic, French, and whatever other spelling of Moreau's so we can convict all three. Well, was, uh, was, Beck, was Beckett's last name Moreau? His first name was. Mm -hmm. Oh, Murrow. Murrow Beckett. Okay. Yeah. So which Murrow is he talking about? Well, we 
that's for us to decide. <laughs> I'll say, well, uh, Detective Nichols, you have a little bit more experience with this. Do you believe that uh, this kind of a confession from uh, uh, someone who has obviously undergone a psychic break could be used in court? Well, I think it'd be the same situation as young Charlie yeah. Murphy, where they'll have to, you know, figure out if he's fit to stand trial. But I suppose you could rule out, if he still thought this Bowers, who Dr. Call's talking to, you could mm-hmm. maybe message him and figure out when he was admitted there, because that's yes. kind of a rock-solid alibi if yes. he is in Danvers during Mr. Dooley's murder. Yes, yes, yes. I suppose so. Um Perhaps uh, as we leave, we can send a telegram to Dr. Call to, to gather that information for us. And Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. All right. So the dinner progresses. Dessert is a tasty cream pie with, uh, you know, some light talk, mostly led by Fiona Nichols, who is, despite, you know, the surface level nature of the conversation, quite a delight when it comes to that, because she's very complimentary to your guys' various attitudes. And she apparently buys wholesale into your grandfatherly hmm. uh, appearance, you know, <laughs> and is happy to, to listen to your stories or tell you some of hers. Does uh, she have any particular interests? Or? Well, she um, studied biology in, in college, That's but she's awesome. quite fallen out of, out of practice with it. She's not up to date. Now, a little bit with the psychoanalytic method, but She's not too much into it. In fact, most people she talks to don't really want to hear what she has to say. But she does say that she thinks Freud would have something to say about the voice and his uh, large women thing, for sure. Wouldn't you agree? Unfortunately, (laughs) my psychoanalysis is rather low, but my uh, psychology is decent. Something repressed going on there, I'm sure, but... Oh, yeah, so those are our interests. Of course, well, yeah, all sorts of people must find an outlet to uh, express their, their deeper hidden desires, unleash the ed, so to speak. Uh, very uh, simple. At her comment, I'll try and find a passage where that would stand out. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, so there's like, because the perspectives will be from the men left back on Earth, these few survivors. So they're they're like trembling at the sight of these giant women. But uh, an excitement is aroused in them mm. as well, <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. It gets a little bit more, uh, yeah. What well, do you call it? Perhaps a domination uh, fetish. Oh, if, I apologize for using a vulgar term, but uh, oh no, that's quite all right. My that's English, my English is not my first rodeo, as they say. Hmm. I would just leave it at that, uh, Frau Nichols. <laughs> It's an American saying, I, I assure you. That. Ah, ah. <laughs> you are uh, euphemisms? Uh, leave me perplexed but many times. Ah, th- thank God. <laughs> well, the yeah. dinner wears on, and Fiona excuses herself from it, and Wayne Nichols says, well, I suppose we should probably decide what, if anything, should be done about James Clark and... Do you have any men at the police station that you would fully trust? Ones that uh, you may have trusted with this investigation if you had not found us? Uh, I can think of a couple names. Okay. We were discussing uh, a rescue operation, as it were, for the the good lawyer. And um, I'm afraid that 
there are just too many locations for us to to be able to be at them all at once. And we fear that if we attempt to enter one, then the others would be, if he happened to be in one of the others, that he may be moved or, or dispatched of. I'll contact him as soon as we're done here. Uh, which, which of the addresses did you want them to keep an eye on? Gentlemen, uh, Mr. Whitmire, you, you have the most experience with uh, these kinds of situations, so perhaps... Uh, where perhaps where are those addresses? Like, what, uh, are they all in the same part of town? Yeah, I'll, I'll move... Uh, on the waterfront? So you sent the Great Knights there. Okay. So you have the other two on the northern uh, border of the Mystic River, the shores of the Mystic River. Do you happen okay. to have a map of Boston... Good detective. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As I and will. some pushpins. It's been tattooed <laughs> into his back. And a token of three boys. That's weird. So, um, just out of curiosity, I'm, I'm okay. going to uh, point out the place where the theater was that Johan had been. Point out the place in in the Boston Commons where we had found the ley line for the um, that had run through, and then where the. Uh, Omni Parker house and, and try and follow a path to see if that leads to any one of the the three locations. Perhaps it will draw a pentagram. Yes, because <laughs> and I'll, I'll point out the locations of where Lily Flores's statue is, the the Corbett house and the, the Church of Contemplation are, and, and those line up. Unfortunately, we have seven, I believe, right? Or was it eight? Yes. So and not quite a pinnacle. My curiosity is whether this line runs directly to a location of power. Hmm. And and I'll be kind of mumbling this to, to Johan on the side, not really including everyone. But perhaps one of the three locations is yet another location that we should investigate. In any case, I believe that we should be the ones to go to that location. Hmm. So <laughs> it looks like there's only one location left that needs watching. Okay. And it does kind of line up with the general line, sort of. Okay. So with uh, farewells and, and thanks, you depart from the Nichols house on your way to keep an eye on this final location. Maybe not all of you, but it's while you're leaving that we will close tonight's session, uh-huh. today's session, and we'll have to pick up next time. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, thanks yeah, for playing, thank guys. You. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> I had too much fun thinking yeah, about that Dr. Cole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was great. This has been a Death Watch production. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.